0: Welcome to Back to Us, the podcast. Join us as we decompress after leaving the fire and brimstone of evangelical spaces. So we're back today with our very special guest, Lena. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's so great to be back. Um, I had so much fun talking to you last time, and I just really appreciate your willingness to share and your openness because this is not easy stuff to talk about.
1: No, for sure. And everybody's on a different part of their journey and, you know. I'm just excited to be able to talk about things and feel good and open now because it hasn't always been like that. So it's really nice to feel, you know, comfortable as well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, So I thought maybe this time having you on, we'd have you share about your experience, maybe specifically leaving the church, which I know for many people, I think for both of us, it's not just a single event like, oh, I've decided to leave the church now. Like there's a lot that goes into that decision and a lot behind that experience. So I think last time you had mentioned something about you really started to feel things fell apart when you learned more about like the history of the Bible and how it was put together and that sort of thing. Is yeah. that is that sort of that accurate? Yeah,
1: I in talking to people who have lost their faith, I feel like everybody has just one thing that they can't get past and it seems like it's different for everybody and for me it really was how things were put together like how the church was put together and um how like how it's evolved over the years and how that has you know like impacted my life and then I just kept like studying 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 and it just kind of all fell apart from there for me um but definitely like the way they put the Bible together. And then I did some reading of books that didn't make it in at the time. Mm. And I did a lot of research on um, like those books, but like how they chose books to go in and how they, from what I've read, a lot of the books that didn't make it in were hushed up quite a bit. So it was like, these are the ones that work. We're going to go with them. These ones don't work. And so reading all of those things and putting all that together and seeing, you know, some of those books that didn't make it in say things like, Hey, did you know that you can just find God on your own? Like maybe you are God. Like, let's just all, you know, find God on our like in ways that don't involve a priest or the church or anything like that. And it just, it just kind of reeked of like a man-made system to me and I just couldn't do it. And then also the things that I had always learned about God, you know, things like hell and um, definitely hell was a big one for me, Mm, you know, because of that fear that we've always had. And so once I started realizing that maybe the Bible was put together um, in a certain way so that churches could be here, so that people could be put into groups and trained in certain ways and, you know, in my mind controlled is how i felt um then you know maybe hell is part of that too like maybe hell is a punishment that they're telling us exists even though it doesn't you know what i mean and then i was thinking mm-hmm. but they're telling me that this god is loving but then he also invented hell and you know it just all started like getting really difficult for me um to kind of it just didn't make sense anymore and it this was over years as well And I sat down, I'll never forget this. My partner wanted me to sit down with some of the pastors of the church that we were going to. And, you know, at this point, I had been in church my entire life. And um, so I didn't need, like, I didn't need to be quote unquote saved by them, but they kept giving me their salvation story. And I was like, that's so great. You know, they had been on heroin and they had found God in a desperate place. And I was like, that's awesome. I'm really happy for you my issues tend to do a lot more with like um, actually like the whole setup of the whole thing and who you're telling me God is and how he's treating people. And, um, you know, there's evil in the world, you know, kind of all those questions. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But God found us in a desperate place. And so I was just like, okay, well, this is not helping me at all. Mm. So um, that was kind of one of the last straws. But It was just one thing after another where like, I kept thinking, this doesn't make sense. I'll ask somebody that's supposed to have the answers. They don't have the answers. So I try to look for more answers and I just find more questions.
0: Also like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but just what you just said about um, how they all were telling stories about being on heroin and stuff. Not that I want to make light of that, but it seemed like also in my experience, every story that they featured, every quote, salvation story was this intense, like, oh, I was hit rock bottom. And then, you know, I found Jesus. And I remember feeling like, I don't relate to this. Like, I feel like there's something wrong with me that I don't relate to this. And people are like, well, you're very privileged because you grew up in a Christian home. But it just always felt like they shared these, you know, crazy stories and, Yeah. I just, I remember that was a definite theme.
1: Yeah. I even had moments of thinking maybe I should go hit rock bottom so that I really find God, if that's the way to do it, which is insane. Don't do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Don't. But for sure. It's like, and so I, in that point in my journey, I was in like these big church formats, kind of, you know, the mega church thing. And I felt like there was sort of a theme of that where like every pastor was almost trying to be the worst person in the church. (laughs) So he'd be like, you know, I cheated on my wife and I never filed my taxes and I did drugs. And you're like, "Uh, okay. And I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to say like, even that person can be accepted by God. But really what it does for someone like me who's been in the church my whole life is I just felt like, you know, maybe I don't have a place here. And it turns out maybe I don't. (laughs) which is (laughs) spoiler alert (laughs) well and even sitting down with those pastors you know they were using tactics on me that I had been trained how to use on other people Mm -hmm. and that is rough because I was like I need you to not treat me like another person that has never been in the church before I've been in the church my entire life and you're telling me verses and things That I could go ahead and quote right back to you. That's not the problem. My problem isn't my Christian education. My problem is, you know, the education around it now, and the whole thing is crumbling for me, and no one can give, like, no one can really tell me anything about the actual structure of it. So I'm finding people that are pastoring churches that haven't even read about how the church was put together or Mm -hmm. haven't read the books that didn't make it into the Bible, you know, and so those are the questions that I have. And the thing I kept hearing was, you know if you have those questions you just need to believe anyway
0: yeah and it's just not good enough for me no they don't seem to grasp that either so you said that was so this was your your ex partner that was having you sit down with the the church church elders yeah. you said um yeah the past some pastors of the church
1: gotcha yeah there were like multiple pastors there and i mean he was a great person but as as anyone who has left the church knows losing your faith is like uh, getting a divorce or Mm -hmm. getting, you know, you don't just break up with God. That would be way too easy. So you have to also think if I tell people, if I stop believing in this, I have some options. I can keep going to church and pretend like everything is fine. Or I can like basically come out and say that I have lost my faith. And for me, what that looked like was eventually not, being with my partner anymore you leave the church which is like most of your friends um I have family members that were employed by the church when they lost their faith they lost their jobs
0: wow um
1: and were kind of demonized by that whole church you know what I mean it's like it's not just one thing it's not just do I believe in this or not it's like if you're like really in it that's every single aspect of your life and even my parents who were missionaries growing up as I grew up um you know, telling them I had all these questions. They were some of the ones that said, yeah, we have questions too, but you just have to have faith. Oh, wow. They don't understand at all, you know, Mm -hmm. because in their mind, the person they love is now in danger of going to hell. And, you know, there's Bible verses like train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're older, they won't depart from it. And so they take that on themselves. Yeah. Like they did a bad job, which is never something that I want them I keep trying to tell them no you raised like someone that wants to think and study and decide how they feel and still like have the morality that you taught me just not in the same format that you're doing it
0: yeah maybe and not that- the
1: same morality but you know
0: yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i know i see what you mean there but like yeah i know it's really difficult for them to grasp because in that in these belief systems in these like evangelical belief systems there is no room to deviate. There is no room to interpret things differently or to say like, hey, I really value this, but I don't so much value this. And this over here does not bring me joy. There's none of that. You have to like take it all. And that's all, that's your life, whether or not you want that and whether or not you want that isn't relevant. (laughs) So it's- Yeah, it's it's different
1: than me saying like, oh, I really want to be a doctor, but she always wanted me to be an architect. It's not like that. It's like- no. Ever since you were born, all I wanted was one thing for you, and if you don't do it, then we're going to be separated for
0: eternity, and that's terrifying for them. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just wild. It is really wild looking back on it. Um, so your your parents, you mentioned that they left their professions after you. Was that after you? You said you had sisters as well that left.
1: Yes. So I have an older sister and a younger sister. And my older sister left the church, um, I would say probably about four or five years before I did, maybe four years
0: Mm.
1: before I did. And um, that was, it was kind of a nightmare. And she, I mean, that's her whole story, but Mm. she also is no longer with her partner that she was in the church with. And that was really rough. And she's, she's so awesome. I think in our whole life, she has like blazed trails and I watched her kind of follow, but don't have to do all the hard work that she did. Does that make sense? Yeah. So she had a lot of the hard conversations with my parents and it was part of what scared me for a long time because it was so rough between her and my parents for a while. Um, and I am not as, I mean, not really confrontational, but I don't want to have those hard conversations. I just want Mm -hmm. to be like, I don't know, this is what I believe. Let's all just like love each other. Yeah. (laughs) We don't have to stay up till 2am and fight about it. Um, And so my approach was generally a little bit more like pulled back from my parents. And hers was a little bit more like, let's talk about all of it. Uh, But both of us had a really hard time with that, with my parents. But um, I mean, that was 10 years ago now. Oh, wow. Or seven years or something like that, yeah, seven or eight years ago for me. And so things have gotten a lot better with my parents over the years.
0: Oh, that's good. But
1: yeah, that was it was just interesting to see the difference between her and me because she did want to like dive in deep and like really talk to them about all the aspects. and I had maybe like two or three deep conversations with them and then I was like, okay, I'm just gonna like step back and um, when you're ready, we'll talk. like we can be family, but I just don't want to talk about this all the time.
0: It's draining to have those conversations, I find. It is.
1: It is. And my mom still brings things up every once in a while. Um, You know, she'll come down and visit because I have kids now. And so she'll come see the kids for a few days. Um, And almost every time she brings up something that Mm. she wants to talk about. And it's always like, it feels like a stab in the heart to me a little bit. Because, you know, it's like, I've told her where I'm at. And she's great. Like, she doesn't talk about Jesus to my kids and things like that. That's good. Which is really good. But it's always just kind of like, I know what she really, really wants is for me to, you know, change and find God again. And I know she's praying for that all the time. So it always yeah. feels like a little bit of a disappointment to her, a lot of it.
0: That's the really difficult part is knowing that your loved ones are, you know, praying somewhere and, hoping and that's like their best case scenario is that you just come back into the fold and that's not at all what you want and you're so much happier now and i find like for me i've tried like my parents i think understand it better too we had a good talk actually not that long ago about this but i tried to explain you know my sense of relief and also my sense of discomfort around certain family members knowing that they're they're judging the path i'm on and seeing me in a negative light. And that's difficult because that's not how I see it at all. And they're, I think, starting to understand that more and more, which it's it's really helpful. And it was several yeah. years in the making, but it, yeah. it's scary and draining, I find, to have those types of conversations because you know the things that their belief system allows for and does not allow for. Right. And you're gonna hit a wall at some point And it feels like what's the point sometimes of having those conversations right yeah
1: those those conversations can be obviously like what you're saying the worst the flip side that I found that has been like really beautiful for me is actually meeting Christians who are not like that Mm -hmm. Um, so my partner's parents he they are like the opposite of that where they they know exactly where we stand and they don't push anything on us. And they're just like these beautiful, open, wonderful people that I think, those are like the, the quote you know, the Christians that I was always wanting to find. And now you can find them more easily. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that whole side of the family has just like welcomed me with open arms, which is just beautiful. Cause he and I are not married and we have two kids and we've lived together for a long time. And um, it's just really interesting to see that side of the family, like even the very religious ones, just be really open and beautiful. And I'm kind of ashamed to say that it hasn't always been that easy for my partner with my family. Mm. But um, but that has been one of the like unexpected happinesses that I have found um, on this side of Christianity.
0: They um, are very, they're very lovely people. I have to weigh in because that's my, they're my aunt and uncle. So I feel like I have to also <laughs> give them a shout out for being very lovely and welcoming. And I've had the same experience because also the two sides of the family, I'm mm-hmm. going to get in trouble here. <laughs> one of them, if they hear this, I don't know if they will. But the one side, I think, has had a much more difficult time and can't relate at all to where I met. And the other side has been much more patient and never pushed anything on me either when I, you know, left. Like, we can just, when we visit, we're just visiting. And that's that's yeah. the the nice part of that. Um, so, yeah, it is really inspiring to meet Christians who are more progressive and not judgy that's why I've said on this podcast a few different times now like my beef is not even with Christianity it's with you know the evangelical white nationalist like um, this whole weird sect that somehow became developed from a religion centered around a not white very liberal man that lived you know however many thousands of years ago and was all about like Um, going against the grain and going against the system and fighting for justice and that's not at all what it seems to be now it's about all these other things right um but just going back a bit so when your sister left your older sister had Uh, you started to have those questions and doubts at that point when she left
1: yes um she and I have been pretty close our whole lives. I would say that we're the closest we've ever been now. But during that portion, I wasn't living in the same part of the United States as her. So we weren't as close. I kind of wish we were so that I could have had more conversations. It probably would have sped up my exit. But I mean, my, I think I've mentioned this a little bit in the previous podcast, but some of my issues started when I was you know, very young with my mom saying things like never leave the house in the morning until you've heard Jesus's voice Mm. and me just constantly feeling like I should be but not and always trying so hard like I tried so hard because you just tell a kid Mm. this is how it's supposed to be and this is how it is for me and so you feel like there's something wrong with you if it's not like that and so for me there were cracks like almost as far back as I can remember Um, You know, I mean, begging to be baptized because in my head, I was just kind of thinking, you know, maybe that's part of the problem that I'm not actually baptized and then trying to learn how to speak in tongues or, you know what I mean? Like always trying to do more and more and more. Um, That's really where it like started cracking for me. It was like, if you're telling me that if I love God and if I have faith and if I do these things, then like, and he loves me and he wants to be there for me, why do I not? hear from him or why is there a disconnect between me and this entity that i'm supposed to be super close with Mm. and uh it was and maybe that is what we were talking about with like the the rock bottom thing you know maybe it's part of like a curse of growing up as a christian that you don't have any kind of like wild moment where you just really need help and get help it's like no i've been like trying to trudge along and do the right thing this whole time and it's just kind of never connected Mm. i don't know because both my parents didn't, were not raised Christian. Okay. Um, They both converted in their teen years. And I don't really even know how much, like I have no idea what went down in my mom's life, but she always says like, I just can't go back to a life before Jesus. Like it was horrible and it was empty and it was miserable. And I just, I can't do that, which no one's asking her to, but um, she's like 15.
0: Wow and she got saved and so yeah it's interesting it's like when people are at their most vulnerable moments you know and this belief system finds its way to them however it does you just wonder and I mean I don't want to judge because I don't know your mom's situation and I don't know the situation of the people that sort of invited her in or invited her to Jesus but um it seems manipulative really because I mean even if it's not being manipulative is not the intention. It just seems like anyone that's having a vulnerable moment or has hit rock bottom and sees someone offering them a line or a step up, they're gonna obviously take that. And people can be preyed on in these very weak moments. Course, no yeah. pun intended with preyed on, but like, <laughs> oh, not preyed on, but. <laughs> right. Well, and
1: I mean, so obviously that's my mom's story where she said, you know, things were really rough. But as a person who had God, like, I think 15 is just really hard for oh, everyone. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you look weird, you have yeah. no idea how you're getting through the world, like everything is hard. Um, so I can definitely see how she, you know, could have had some depression or, or I don't, I have no idea. Mm. But um, because when I ask her, she just says, no, it's just really hard. Like life was just hard before Jesus. Mm. Um, so she doesn't give me a lot of specifics. But I know that 15 is just tough. And those teenage years are really, really hard. And so I can see like what you're saying, if someone came along and gave her a sense of hope and a place to be and a lot of love, and of course that would seem way better, mm. but that's normal. I think everybody wants to find like belonging.
0: Of course, yeah, no, that makes um, sense. Mm-hmm. So I guess also what I wanted to ask from before, if you're comfortable, um, answering this so when your parents left their professions like did they was it their idea to to leave yeah my parents were
1: in Spain um starting a church and they did that for 13 years uh I actually that's where I graduated high school and then spent another year there as well with them and I was the worship pastor of the church they started Oh wow which sounds fancier than it was when I was there it was quite small but um so Kind of around this time, several things happened. This was when I was about 25 or 26. Um, My sister left the church. um, And at that point, my parents were still living in Spain. And then my little sister had her first child and she decided to move to Nebraska where my mom, she has some family, her mom lives there and then kind of around that time as well, my grandfather got started getting sick. And it just kind of seemed like it was time for them to move back to the States. And so they did Mm -hmm. that. They moved back to the States. And then within that year is when I left the church. Gotcha. Like kind of officially. So it kind of all like a lot of things transpired right in that time frame, Mm -hmm. but and I'm not sure it would be really interesting if we could ever have like a really honest conversation about it to see if my sister leaving the church had anything to do with their decision or not. Um, mm. My mom has told me that when they moved back, instead of getting a job in a church, one of the reasons my dad decided to get a job as a translator was because he didn't feel like he should be in the church anymore since he, his children were not following God.
0: Oh. Um,
1: yeah. So I don't. I also think that financially, becoming a pastor of a church would be a horrible idea for him in his sixties, because right now he's able to get like social security and retirement and things like that. So Mm. it could totally be a financial decision, but she has at least hinted to me that our decision played into that, which is horrible.
0: That's rough. That's, that's really to put that on, you know, your kids like, yeah, I imagine that was really difficult to hear.
1: Yeah. It doesn't feel great.
0: Um, you know, she's, she believes this stuff
1: like so, so deeply so that there have been things that she said, um, both to my sister and to me at different times. Um, you know, she just, she thought when I left my partner as well, she was like, you're making the biggest mistake of your life and you're going to be so lonely and no one's going to be there for you. And I think all of that is tied up in the Christianity thing as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was just a, a whole time of me going, okay, I love you. Uh, maybe we'll just not talk about this for a while. I'm going to get on my path and figure out what my life is going to look like from here on out. And um, And it hasn't been, you know, a colossal failure. And I think, <laughs> you know, almost a decade later, it's really interesting for her to see, like, you know I've got these two beautiful kids and you know my older sister is very happy and you know we're not doing the life that she hoped for us by any means but neither of us are you know on the side of the road doing heroin
0: we're not in jail you know there's like there's, mm. yeah all the there's things they tell you right that are going to happen when you leave and also I've heard that narrative too. You know, divorcing is a you're breaking a promise that you made to mm-hmm. God and you'll never be happy. I've heard that you would never be able to have children,
1: that God would curse your womb. Oh my god. Yeah. That is That didn't that wasn't said to me, but that was said to someone I know.
0: That's I mean, terrible. Why like so deep. They really do, and I think people don't or maybe they do know the damage that these things cause and that's why they're saying them. To try and, but to me, that's so dangerous. Like, I'm not saying this was your specific situation, but there are women that are in like abusive marriages and they're told oftentimes like, oh, just stick it out. And, you know, God will bless you. God will bless your marriage. And these poor women are, and sometimes even blamed for, for the abuse going on. And it's such, it can be, it's a dangerous, dangerous thing to put on, to put on someone.
1: Absolutely. I've seen that a bunch of times, you know, where people are like, I don't want to be in this relationship. I can't stay in this relationship. And people say, No, what you need to do is like take better care of that partner who's oh. abusing you. Or, you know what I mean? Like pray for that partner, but stay with that partner. And it's like, No. Oh my God. If you're not in a safe place, get out. Oh, yeah. If that person is in church and he's getting like validation from church. You got to get away from him. You just got to do it yeah like abuse is abuse and if we look back at the history of the church and even look at the bible you know there's a lot of like things in the bible that help men feel superior and help men feel like they are allowed to do whatever they want to do if that's what they want they can find a bible verse to back it up yeah and yeah if you're in that situation get out
0: oh percent. there's a whole passage in the old testament that um, essentially contains instructions if a man is feeling jealous. So if a man um, has a suspicion that the woman's cheating on him, even if he has just the suspicion, he's to drag her to the temple and they mix some sort of weird temple juice with the dirt on the floor and she drinks that. And if she has been unfaithful, that will kill the, the, the baby essentially. So I'm sorry, but that kind of throws the whole, life thing out the window in my opinion yeah. um, but, so she drinks the gross dirt juice you know and god knows like what's in that if it's like she could get sick from that but that's okay because her husband was jealous so she's gonna right. go ahead and and to me that's I just mean, like you're really gonna find out i guess <laughs> drag her into the devil drink this like dirt water people will argue and say well no this is why it's okay and all the mental gymnastics and that's just yeah. one thing too the bible's or full the, of the easiest
1: one that i hear all the time is like oh no that's the old testament you know yeah. we're, we're under a new law now but i'm like i don't know it's still in your book so and like, they they still quote your- the old
0: testament when it comes to you know hating of- yeah. yeah hating on the lgbtq community or i've heard it quoted about like why you shouldn't get tattoos I remember calling my grandmother out on that once, not on um your partner's side, but on the other side of the family. Yeah, she was um throwing shade on my cousin for getting a tattoo, and I was like, and she quoted I don't know Leviticus or something, and yeah. I was like, isn't I think it's Leviticus? Yeah, I was like, isn't that the Old Testament? And didn't Jesus die so that we don't need to follow the old laws anymore? And she kind of just walked away. I'm like. I don't know. That seems to go out the window. My grandma's
1: thought with it. Cause I had that conversation with her as well. And her thought was, you know, better safe than sorry. So, and that's that's also like kind of a, um, a really interesting mindset because what she's saying is like, cause I think I told you last time she had my grandpa get his tattoo removed. I think in his eighties. Um, Oh, I didn't, I don't know if we, he had a little tattoo on his arm that said Johnny, which is his name. That's oh. it. This tiny. It was. Yeah. And she made him get it removed. Yeah, because she was afraid Um, because of that verse that says, don't tattoo yourself to the dead. Um, She's like, you know, kind of like a better safe than sorry thing. But I'm like, if we take the entire Old Testament like a better safe than sorry thing, you're going to be doing a lot of weird stuff.
0: You'll be Jewish, essentially.
1: Yeah, but also like just sitting on a chair on Sundays and, you know, heaven forbid your period come around. Oh, no. (laughs) You got it gonna go hide in the hills or something I don't Uh, even know but so yeah that's always been like a really interesting thing to me too even when I was a 100% in the church and you know a leader in the church was just going like are we gonna ignore this whole thing and like how did God change that much where he's like okay with killing all the cattle and all the children and all the women of these other nations like he's kill he's like kill everybody and -hmm. then all of a sudden Jesus comes and now he's like good and different and it's I don't know I still yeah. I still am wary what if he changes again you know what I mean like if
0: this is really where we're going it's like yeah but way. but then they say like God's unchanging yeah it's like there is actually a lot of I've, I've heard a lot of references to that and I had a conversation with someone recently I think we were talking about the church's treatment of the LGBTQ community and I was like well it seems like if that was an issue of the times, times have changed, but you know, their response was like, Oh, well, it's supposed to be unchanging. And I'm thinking like, well, we've changed it when we've wanted to like the Wesleyan church, I'm going to call them out. (laughs) For example, they allow women to be in ministry, Uh but they're not affirming to the LGBTQ community. And all of that is available on their website. I've perused it because I wanted to see what their stances were on these issues. And to me, just this cherry picking, of, and not even of just like little, like rules, like actual, mm. like, this is who we accept. This is who we show love to. Anyway, I could, I'm so salty about that. I could go on about that, but oh, for
1: sure. I don't know. It's just not a system that I, I trust to be safe to LGBTQ people in general.
0: hundred percent. And I don't even feel safe in it. Like I'm just a straight white lady <laughs> and I can't even go in. I think I've mentioned this before too, on this show but I I just feel panic going into a church at all. Yeah. And I have not even been discriminated against in those ways. I don't know what that's like. I can't imagine. It's, it's like separating, which is a thing that I've had to do with myself too, is
1: separating um, like belief in God, belief in Jesus, who those people are versus like the church. Yeah. And the things that the church is currently doing.
0: That's why I'm glad that there are progressive Christians out there who are welcoming sure. and are affirming. Like that's a huge relief. Um, sadly, not everyone's on that bandwagon. Um, I don't understand why it's taking so long. There's so many issues that it seems like the church is is just perpetuating just harmful ideologies and same yes. with like white supremacy mm-hmm. and things that you'd think they would be on the forefront of changing but you just don't see that there it's the opposite well it's like
1: what you're saying i got online and found out that the wesleyans allow women to speak in their services it's like good job guys wow you did yeah, one you're doing thing. great <laughs> yeah. so you know maybe if we give them another 100 200 years they will uh, step it up on other basic like human rights
0: <laughs> oh god yeah, I also oh, heard. Just as an aside, I heard it has not been a picnic for those women who have been pastors in the Wesleyan Church. Um, oh, sure, it hasn't. I don't know details, but I did. I did hear that, and that's to me not surprising at all. It's definitely an old white boys club. I'm gonna get in so much trouble if they find this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna cease and desist. Um,
1: but I, hey, the if it, in general has been an old white boys club for a really long time, you've had those privileges for mm-hmm. a really long time. And you're the ones holding those privileges of course you're not going to dole them out freely yeah, um yeah. you know there's a lot of power and control that has been held and nobody wants to give up power and control yeah no i've i've read you know people saying things like men are lucky just on the women issue that women don't want a matriarchy for the next thousand years we just want <laughs> equality we just want to be part of the conversation And it's like that with all these other things that they're doing too. It's like, we're not trying to do anything crazy. Just maybe we allow everybody to be equal.
0: Yeah, yeah. So now what would you say your beliefs are? If you have any, Um, it's okay if you don't. No, yeah,
1: it's really interesting because it's something that I, I think about a lot, but I don't really have anything nailed down. I would say that I am agnostic because I'm in the place where I 100% am not in a church. Um, I wake up on Sunday mornings just so happy, and snuggle mm. back into bed, and I do not go to a service. You know, as far as like actual answers, I think the more that I study and the more I learn, the more I know that I don't know, and so I just never nail anything down. So I can say that maybe at some point in my life I'll believe in something, maybe I won't. I don't know. I have no idea. But. Yes. I am in like a very happy, comfortable place with that, Mm -hmm. where I don't have fear and I don't have guilt about it. I just kind of am living. And, you know, I've got two little kids now. And so obviously we try to teach kindness and we're white privileged American people. Um, And so the things that we try to teach in our home are taking care of people that don't have the same privilege as we do. trying to look for people that don't have the same privilege we do and try to do the best we can for them you know like I think a lot of the things that I learned in the church or at least that I was taught are supposed to be part of the church um those are the things that I really do want to go through my whole life with and have you know kids that love people and want to help people um but definitely it's not really like a spiritual thing for me at this point
0: yeah that makes sense and I I think that's Something I found is it's a relief to not have to know. Like, yeah, I found absolutely. being in the church, like, you had to know that you had to have exactly. the answer. And in, in some ways, that felt easy because it was like, okay, here's all the answers right here, right in this book that, yeah. you know, I didn't know for years was not just a cohesive document penned by God sitting right. on <laughs> his throne because God's a Him <laughs> in heaven. Yeah, and he's whispering to select males. Yeah, only males. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, write this down. It's the truth. (laughs) Oh, God. And yeah, and it was easy for a while. But then when I realized that didn't fit, you know, and then eventually it all spun out from there and I left, it just feels so much more. I I would never have imagined the relief that I felt to not to not know and be okay with not knowing, have the freedom to change your mind and evolve and grow. As you experience. And like. Positioning yourself in a place where if I change
1: my mind tomorrow, that's fine. Mm -hmm. My entire world is no longer built on my belief system. Um, I have amazing friends. And many of them believe in different ways. And I have, um, you know, family and I have a partner and, you know, but none of that is built on my church. Mm -hmm. And that is also a huge relief. So tomorrow, if I decide to start looking into Buddhism which I don't have plans to, but you know, whatever I decide to do tomorrow doesn't mean that I will lose what I have. Yeah. And that is a really nice place to be as well. Um, As opposed to a decade ago when I was looking away from the church and realizing that I would lose everything and have to start my whole life over essentially is how it felt.
0: Yeah. That's a scary, that's a scary place to be. I know for me, I had to have sort of a community built outside of the church before I could even really entertain the idea of leaving because it is so scary. Do you remember like the last time that you sort of attended church? Like, did you know that like, this is the last time and I'm not going after this?
1: Everything was so gradual with me. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'm not like the most confrontational person. And so I think I just kind of like worked on my own like internal system, um, until it was like, uh, like until it was just so obvious to me that I couldn't do it anymore, if that makes sense. Yeah. and so and i I was in a relationship at that point as well. And so um we just kind of stopped going to church a little here, a little there, if that makes sense. So we would kind of we started going to a like a new church about a year or two, I guess before I left religion and um but we went very sporadically. So, and that was the church where the pastors, you know, they were trying to convert me based on their heroin story. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it was never like, I am never coming back here, but it was just more and more of like, every time I went, it was harder and harder for me to like really buy into the narrative and to like get excited about it. And, you know, the churches I went to, you know, they're doing altar calls every week and they want everybody Mm -hmm. to go down essentially the last church I went to they would do this altar call almost every week and it would be like you know first of all if you've never met God and you feel like God is speaking to you and you need to like meet Jesus come down then they would do like if you felt God speaking to you and you just need a little extra prayer from some elders come down if the sermon today spoke to you come down basically by the end of it everybody
0: Everyone. gets <laughs> everyone's at the elder and it's oh, almost God. awkward
1: if you don't go down um but i stopped going down there and like you know it was just kind of a gradual thing yeah and so i yeah it's just really interesting i I wish I could remember the very last time i ever went to church um i couldn't but remember. now yeah. it feels strange to me you know my partner and i go to funerals from time to time I think that's the only time we go to churches together is weddings and funerals. And um, sometimes we'll be driving home and I'm like, did you hear them say this? I forgot. I forgot about like, <laughs> you know, yeah. like there's certain phrases and things like washed in the blood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I've been washed in the blood and you're driving home and you're like, they were washed in the blood. I forgot about that saying and it's disgusting.
0: It is. Disg- <laughs> it <laughs> hits you differently after you've been out. And you're like, I've been singing songs about washed in the blood at My like. Wife- age six and seven like that's crazy can you imagine my
1: child who will she has never set foot in church aside from weddings and funerals imagine her seven years old she's gonna be like mama did they say they're washed in the blood <laughs> come again And i'm gonna be like yeah girl it's it's weird it's, it's just weird. one of those weird things we can talk about it if you want or we can just go on with our business you know what i mean but yeah. when she hears those things It'll be like my sister's partner uh, who was not raised in a church at all. And one year she took him to a a Christmas choir thing. And he was like, what's this whole deal with like the baby and like all the cows around him? And like, (laughs) like, what is that whole thing? And she's like the nativity. And he's like, yeah. Okay. Talk me through that. Like he is at, at zero. Oh, wait till Easter. I know. (laughs) But he's able to sit down with my mom and have her like, explain a whole thing to him. And he's just like, huh, not triggered at all. Totally cool. That's really interesting. And walk away. Wow. That to me is like mind blowing and yeah. so beautiful. And that's what I want for my kids.
0: Yes. Um,
1: yeah. And so that's like, that's kind of what I'm trying to build is like kids who are like beautiful, balanced people that don't have that fear and guilt. And when they hear someone say
0: they're washed in the blood, they can go, <laughs> huh, that's weird and move on. Yeah, um, It's a tall order, but. Yeah. And I, I've been thinking about that too a lot lately because we don't have kids yet, but we do have one on the way still baking, <laughs> um, should be done baking around March. So I've got a little bit of time left, but it's I, like, I don't even know this kid yet. And I'm already thinking like, I really hope like the, the idea of them feeling any guilt or yeah. shame or fear around religion to me is like the most off-putting terrible right thing so i'm thinking like how do you raise your kids to not necessarily that they've never heard of religion but that when they do right. they can see it in, a, in an objective or historical context right. as opposed to like this matters for me and also maybe making it clear to family members that like no we're not doing that we're not playing that right. game <laughs> like, right
1: it's- yeah. And I, I mean, we, we've talked about it a lot with our kids. And for me, I think part of it is going to be when they have questions, try to answer them as much as possible, but kind of not showing them how much I don't want them to be like dragged into it so that it doesn't seem like this, like forbidden fruit,
0: you know, yes, like yeah.
1: My kid's 15 years old and all our friends are going to youth group. And she's like, mom, I want to go to youth group. Oh, you know, I've already thought about this a bunch. And I'm like, I think I'm going to let her go to youth group. And then maybe we talk about it after. But my hope is that she goes to youth group and she's like, okay. I mean, it's fun to hang out with my friends, but that's, you know, weird. And we can have those conversations. I don't know. It's, it's so interesting. What if my kid
0: becomes. (laughs) I've had that thought too. (laughs) What if she like gets really into it? I don't know. It would be, it's going to be interesting yeah like I don't want to put my own trauma on the kid I don't want to because that would you know scare them in in a different way and I don't want to do that either so I mean obviously no one's a perfect parent everyone's learning as they go but it's definitely been on my mind a lot um, leading up to it Uh, did you know if you train up a child in the way they should go? (laughs) 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 No, no I hate it (laughs) It
1: is like it's it's the scariest part about being a parent in general, though, right? It's like, yeah, um you know, I have hopes and dreams for my kids, and my parents had hopes and dreams for me, and theirs were all wrapped up in me loving Jesus. My hopes and dreams for my kids are that they find um happiness, and mm. if that is in the church, then I would love to have lots of conversations with them about it. Um, but you know, that's their choice, and that's gonna yeah. be interesting,
0: yeah. Absolutely. I hear you there. Um, yeah, it is quite quite the quite the journey. And mm-hmm. um yeah, I feel like I don't know about you, but like I feel like I'm still on it just because I'm connected to people who are still in it right. and I know that I'm still undoing my own trauma from it. I find with me I think I'm done. And then I'll hear a phrase like washed in the blood or I'll have a weird memory or like yeah. You know, hear a song and it just brings back stuff that's you know still there. So I think maybe it's a lifelong thing that when you're exposed to that kind of trauma and those kinds of doctrines so young, or so intensely, even if you weren't in it as a kid, but maybe a bit older, um, you know, it's not necessarily just people who have grown up in it. It definitely the hooks go deep, and yeah, I think maybe it can lead constantly
1: protect your own beliefs in your own space and your own you know everything because everybody has their opinions you know Mm -hmm. so someone who is like um you know very in it in the church like I have a very close family friend who's like um you know like a parental kind of figure one of our best friends dads who has said to us many times like you're just such smart people and I don't understand how you don't believe in this and we're like okay well we just don't really want to have this conversation with you very much like we just want to love you and coexist and you know be like family but not you know you have your beliefs and we have our beliefs and clearly we're not going to change each other's minds but it's constantly about protecting your space in that right and just saying like this is what I believe and I'm I don't want to have this conversation because it's exhausting for me and I had to fight really hard to get to like a good solid place for myself where I am happy and I'm comfortable and I don't want to spend the rest of my life having to like like defend that constantly yeah. to people that are trying to get me back into it if that makes sense
0: oh percent. yeah for sure that's time I think it's a very kind way of putting it too like hey just we, we just want to love you we just want to be in each other's lives I think that that's very reasonable and very kind (laughs) to put it that way.
1: And it is just like one of the few things in life that people feel they really have to put on other people, you know, like I work as a taproom manager, but I don't think everybody needs to do that. Or like I choose to wear two or three colors mainly and not a lot of patterns because I find that it makes it a lot easier for me to get dressed in the morning. That's my personal belief system on getting dressed. I don't think anybody else in the whole wide world needs to do that. If you love flowers, wear flowers. I'm not going to wear flowers. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those few things that people are like, I believe this and I need you to also do it the way that
0: I do it. Well, yeah, because there's eternal conscious torment waiting there's, for you. If, you. if you if you don't part. wear the flowers or if you do, <laughs> <laughs> it's- and I find too, it's very difficult to, because you can't often separate the people that are doing the damage and the people that are damaged by this, that they're, all, they're one and the same. So the people that have been abused and manipulated by these belief systems are going to go on to do the same things, just like, just like I did. And just like you said, you as well were kind of doing that when you were in the church with trying to get other people to join, because you think that's what you have to do to get them right. to be saved. So it's complicated because, I look at people sometimes and I just get so annoyed at them, but I'm like, but they think that they're doing God's okay. work and yeah. who knows what they're feeling inside too. Like they are maybe suffering inside at the idea of other people going to hell because they didn't witness properly yeah. or, and maybe they're maybe also doubting
1: like what I was. Yeah. Maybe it's like what I was doing where you're doubting, but you're also trying really hard to like find God, because if it's true, then that is what you want. Yeah. Does that make sense? And so, yeah, it is, it's all very complicated.
0: It is, <laughs> it is, but I'm, I'm really glad that you feel open enough uh, to share, to share what you've gone through. Cause I know that there's people that are going through it now that are part of it and maybe they want to leave, but they're too afraid to leave or yeah. maybe they're just starting to, to have those doubts. And I think it's really important to, to get those those stories out there because you never know who who's going to be inspired by that
1: yeah it's like I I mean my entire philosophy now is like everybody do you know what what you feel is right as far as spirituality goes um please don't push anything on me I won't push anything on you but it's tough when you're in that spot and you're just starting to like look around and um it's nice because there are so many resources available now Mm. that if you're interested in not being in the church anymore there's lots of books you can read and lots of people like us you know Mm -hmm. that have been through it and are willing to you know tell our stories and be there for people
0: yeah It, it feels like a very lonely club when you're there it does it does yeah especially back when I mean I think when I left what year was it 2007 there wasn't really anything um but I think also back then I wasn't really kind of doing any like I just wanted to get out so I wasn't really interested in lingering on things to sort of ease that transition I just knew I had my new friends and gotta go now so everybody does it so
1: differently isn't that wild yeah you know like some I tried to leave like with as little splash as possible I just kind of wanted to fade away um and so for me it took years but they were really tough years yeah really tough And, um, you know, I still feel the repercussions of it today as you do from, from what you've said, you know, with dealing with Mm -hmm. family, especially at this point, Yeah. but everybody does it so differently. And it's like, when you're, when you're done, you're done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to go back. You might still be working some things out in your mind, but, um, or in your, our minds and our hearts. Oh Lord, where have I heard that before? (laughs) Sometimes I hear myself say things and I'm like, oh, this sounds like like a Wesleyan church service or something. Yeah I mean you really like once it's ingrained in you it's hard to to get it out.
1: Um, we had karaoke at the bar that I managed the other oh, night fun. and I, I was the host and um, I was having so much fun with it because at the end I gave an altar call <laughs> but a karaoke altar call and it was so much fun because like about half the crowd got it but I was just like I, like, brought everything kind of low, and I was like, you're having a conversation right now in your head, and you haven't come down, and you haven't sang a song, and there's a, an argument going on between your head and your heart, and what I need you to do is listen to your heart. We're almost closing out, and this might be the last chance you get, <laughs> and I'm getting to you to come on down. And yeah, listen to her. and I went on for a really long time with it. That's and I amazing. Thought it amazing
0: hilarious. Um, <laughs> if you get it, you get it.
1: <laughs> you get it if not, you think I'm probably kind of strange. but um you know, I was trained in the art of the arts call, and so I, I went for it.
0: yeah the emotionally <laughs> manipulative because you have to have the emotionally charged music in the background somewhere. If I
1: had had some light keyboard playing, yeah, would have
0: <laughs> been perfect.
1: you know, just bring everything down, you start using your uh, you know your kind of soothing voice, and to mm-hmm. get people to really look inward, and really think about when the next time is they're gonna have the opportunity to sing karaoke.
0: Mm-hmm. My my favorite one was if you're feeling a little tug at your heart right now, that's not me. I can't do that. That's not me. That's Jesus. That's Jesus tugging at your heart. It's also, <laughs>
1: guilt from years of conditioning. Exactly.
0: And the soft keyboard and the manipulative tones I'm using. Yes. Like, oh God, I thought you were going to yeah. tell me that you were singing Trading Trading My Sorrows or something like that at the karaoke. No, no, no,
1: no, no. <laughs> no but you know what? Uh, it's kind of a fun thing too, is that we're trying to do more stuff like that at the bar that I'm at. Like, I think we're going to have a sing-along um, because like one of my favorite things growing up was like the worship portion of church. And that is like a whole bunch of people having like the best energy. Everybody's bringing their energy yeah, and singing songs together. And it's fun. It's super fun. And mm. you don't get that a lot outside of the church. That's true. And so I was like, I think it would be fun for us to just kind of have a night that's like not really karaoke, but we're just singing the hits. We're not singing Christian songs. We're singing like super sing-along, like Lord Royals, that kind of thing where everybody wants to sing it together. And we just have a blast yeah. um, kind of bringing the energy together. Oh, fun. Um, Because there are certain things from church that are fun and you do miss.
0: Mm. But I do not want to
1: go to church and do worship again.
0: No, you don't want to sing about being washed in the blood?
1: (laughs) I don't. And I don't want to be washed
0: in any blood. (laughs)
1: No blood for me. I live uh, (laughs) blood-free. Oh, Oh,
0: so weird. That's a good idea, though. I really like that. That's fun.
1: Yeah, we'll see. how. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. Um, It's just one of those things that you know, maybe people miss and want to have fun
0: doing and Maybe not, maybe it's a flop, who knows. Especially in Oklahoma. I feel like there'd be a lot of yes. folks that are like-minded and have had similar experiences there.
1: Yeah, from uh, from how many people caught on to and felt my altar call was very funny.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it probably would work. That's telling. Oh, it's funny.
1: For sure. Well,
0: thank you for joining us. I will stop here because I want to um, I respect your time. Do you, you probably work at the bar today? yep going back in that's awesome Yep. well thanks and we'll have you on again i have an idea i'm gonna stop recording and i'm gonna tell you my idea we'll see what you what you think about it but
1: (laughs) thank you so much for having me this has been super fun and i always appreciate talking to you and i appreciate what you're doing thanks lena thanks for sharing